This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew, Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up, what up, what up, what up? And on today's episode, we have a very special guest. He is the co-host of the Terry and Trey Show on YouTube. And it's Terry. What up, Terry? What's up, guys? Another Nick's loss. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, that's sarcasm if it didn't <laughs> it didn't translate. Yeah, it's uh yeah, another another week, another number of losses. It, it it's becoming groundhog's day around here on the posting and toasting show because it's the same old nonsense. We still haven't been able to Yeah, we haven't been able to record after a win yet. This is very frustrating. No, maybe oh, we should yeah. maybe we should switch up the uh the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, mean, like, you mean the Knicks NBA schedule or your hosting schedule? Oh, maybe we probably have to do both if that's the case. Yeah, so the Knicks, if you guys have not been following the Knicks over the past week or so, they're on a five-game losing streak. They just lost to the Celtics. I, what was the score? I forget. 113-104. They did that. Um, they lost to the Sixers on Friday. I was actually at that game. Uh, in the Garden, which was pretty cool, they but they lost that game. Then they got blown out by the Raptors, which was 98 to 126, which was expected. I was not at that game. I wasn't in Toronto, just in case anyone was wondering. And that's where we left off, because they lost to the Nets. We recorded after that game, and that was not fun. And we're probably not going to have another fun podcast here, because it's the same shit, different day. That's, that's basically where we're at right now, just... The Knicks played well, and then when it comes down the stretch, when it comes down to the coaches have to get involved, it's a major letdown once again. So, Schwinn, do you want to add anything at the moment? Um, no. Uh, no? Okay, I, that's fine. I, Harry, do you I, want to add anything? Hey, he sums it up pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really... I don't think it really matters. Like, um, it... It's 
it's just um, I don't know. I I if you can't see that the Knicks are a poorly coached team at this point, I I don't know. Uh, I don't really know what you're watching, or if you are watching, because um, yeah, I mean the fourth quarter of the Celtics game. Uh, you know, forgetting I don't even who the hell did we play this week. We got embarrassed by the Raptors, and then we lost to. The Sixers, which was also a poorly coached yeah. team down the stretch as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you could just see how bad. Like I personally think that I think Stevens is a good coach. I think he's like super overrated, but he is a good coach. But like he just, you know, for the first three quarters, this like weird aggressive trapping blitz that we were running every time they ran a pick and roll kind of like semi worked, even though the road like everybody look like the rotations obviously were not clean, but um, you know They're guys rotating. Were, yeah, guys were rotating. They were they were hustling. Like you know that, and for for three quarters that was good enough. Um, in the fourth quarter, it just got brutally exposed because Stevens was ruthless about it. He just kept having Kemba draw on the two defenders and then swing it immediately to Jalen, who would just be able to like because they were pulling Mitch out or whoever the center was out of the paint mm-hmm. essentially. And then as soon as they swung it to Jalen, he just immediately drove at Dennis Mid Jr. Um, and, you know, they, like, muscled him into the hoop, more or less. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just, like, a pretty small sign of how a team, how a coach can, like, kind of use the opponent's strategy in their favor. And on the other hand, we had um, Ennis Cantor on the floor for large swats of the game and just, like, didn't run pick and roll at him, which is doubly embarrassing because... We, he was the coach. He he coached him last year, and presumably the reason he, you know, quote unquote, benched Cancer <laughs> is because his defense was terrible. You know, on top of just being like playing like a total merc on offense. So if you aren't able to take advantage of that, or just you know, unwilling or whatever the fucking reason is, I have no idea. Um, you know, that's just shitty coaching, and like. Cancer had a double double today, and you know there was a period of the game where they weren't making shots, but because we were running this crazy scheme that, like, kind of kept making Mitch leave the paint and, like, leaving it wide open and then having to, like, rotate out shooters and all this stuff, Cantor was just able to eat on the glass. And, yeah, I mean, I I don't... I don't know what to say. It just... Like, I I don't get why you don't just play, like, drop-and-trail coverage with that, with the the roster we have, because you want to keep Mitch... Like, yeah, it's great that Mitch is athletic and can switch, but his primary value is that he's an elite rim protector. Um, So, I I don't know. I just... It's it's the same shit. Um, I have already stated, you know, that I think Fish should be fired. I wrote that I think Fish should be fired. So, um, at this point, none none of this really surprises me. Yeah, I remember that stretch uh, in the third when we're scoring, and I'm looking at the Celtics lineup, and everyone sucks, but they're scoring every possession. <laughs> Cantor was out yeah. there, I think. Ojale was out there. Uh, Wanamaker, a couple of guys, and like, you know, the Celtics are well coached, so guys can execute schemes no matter who's out there. But I'm like, how are we not, you know, we're scoring, but why aren't we stopping these guys? This And, uh, you know, every game something else comes back to bite us. During that moment, I remember thinking to myself, well, we're going to lose for some other reason, but definitely because of what's happening right now. We can't have this team of bums out here um, matching us point for point when we know what's going to happen in the fourth when their guys come back in. And you think of Fizz, like, that's when he's got to put the hammer down. I just, I can't point to things he's done, except for random things here and there, and sometimes he's thrust into it, so I know if I want to give him credit for it. But a few things I can say, oh, Fizz did this thing, and wow, thank God he did. 
And and that's a worrying sign 102 games into his tenure here in New York City. Yeah, I knew this game, like, was over immediately when, like, originally made a three to make it 95-95 in the fourth quarter. And then they call a timeout after a turnover for Walker. And the play after the timeout or whatever was discussed was to have Damien Dotson take up the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a turnover on and Jalen Brown. Oh, Jalen Brown. And it's just what, what it was just one of those things is like, what was that? Like, Dotson isn't a point guard. Like, why is he taking up the ball to execute and start to play? Like, it just made zero sense. Like, that yeah. was like that was right there. So right after that turnover, I'm like, the Knicks are going to lose. And you saw everything unravel after that. Like, Randall had a turnover. Um, Smith had a turnover with, like, a miscommunication with Knox. And it's like, right, the game's over pretty much right then <laughs> and there. It's just like, w- I don't understand why – like some of the decisions like come in like these meaningful times. It just kind of this is when we say it's a coaching issue. It's little things like that. It's not necessarily grand things. I mean, earlier in the game, to start off the game, Fizzle lucked into good offense because the Celtics decided to defend Julius Randle like he was Porzingis and just put Smart on him. And unlike Porzingis, Randle doesn't like get off the post because he's bigger and stronger and faster than uh. Then Porzingis, that offense worked, and then the Celtics adjusted in the second quarter. They took Smart off of him, and it made things a lot easier for the Celtics' defense. And Fizzle didn't adjust. They just ran the same thing over and over again. It was like, oh, Randall's posting was working, but they didn't identify why his posting was working. And that just leads to, just again, just bad coaching and another a bad loss. That's what it comes down to. Just, again, I feel like we said the same thing last week, like the past two weeks, just bad coaching leads to, like, annoying losses. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, real quick, people keep bringing up, you know, progress. And I, I will admit, I definitely think the second 10 games, you've seen just more cohesion. But that could happen with bad coaching anyway, just as guys getting to know each other better. But, you know, we're in so many close games that we lose. It's not talent at that point. It's coaching. It's bad execution down the stretch repeatedly. The same fear we have at home watching when we know, oh, it's about to end, you're seeing it on the court. Um, and that, that can happen. It's, it, we're losing all these games late. Fizz is, he just said just now, and I'm watching his post game, he said, I think we're becoming a better basketball team. I'm just like, ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I, um... So the funny thing that it's funny that you bring up that Dotson thing. I tweeted that out actually as soon as it happened. But the funniest part about that is the very next. So after Jalen Brown steals it and then takes it, you know, coast to coast, the very next possession, Dotson again brings it up and nearly turns it over again. Um, it, I was like, it was, it was, it's just stunning. It's like I understand again. Like I've said this so many times, but it's like I understand that this isn't football. Like you cannot call everything on the floor, and like your players need to be able to make, you know, good decisions on their own at times. But like that is a situation where you tell Dennis, like, go get the fucking ball and bring it up. But I mean, who knows? It clearly coming out of the timeout, he thought the best, the the smartest way to get into the possession was have. Damian Dotson initiate the offense against Jalen Brown, who is a good perimeter defender, instead of having Dennis Smith Jr. bring up the ball against Kemba Walker, who is very much not a good perimeter defender. Like, I I don't understand at all what we're trying to achieve with that. Um, but, I mean, that's, like, kind of how I feel about a lot of stuff. Uh, I thought the, the Knox thing was fucking bizarre, too. He was playing really well. 
you know, so he takes him out of the third, no problem. Then he just rides Portis out until there's like 4.30 left in the fucking game. Yeah, then just like, knocks back in in like not right possible back time. In. Oh, yeah, so this is the king of throwing people in randomly like, hey, good luck. And then, then it's your fault when you mess up. Like when he threw Frank in that Spurs game to start the season. Yeah. Throws it randomly. You know, Knox starts at the 2-1 game. He didn't even know he was starting at the 2. Now tonight, after, oh my, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going off. Continue. No, no, no. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what this pod is about. But yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, like, you, like, I just don't understand. There's no logic, right? If you can't go from DNP to starting at the 3. Like, even if I think that's a, like what maybe should be happening anyway, um, like that shows such a lack of any kind of consistency in approach from your coach. And I, it's like like today, right? So I tweeted out in the first quarter. It was pretty obvious, I thought, that like for basically the entire game, our spacing was so much better because um, like at the three, we ba- we only played dot and um, – Dot and uh, Knox, right? Like those, those two guys that play, and RJ, I guess, whatever. Like, you, but you know what I mean. Like, we played three guys who are more natural threes and like understand spacing and aren't ISO chucks. Um, I mean, RJ kind of is, but like, you know, you get what I mean anyway. Um, it, and it's like it was just so obvious, and like that was a big reason why Randall had so much more space to operate. In you know during his good phases of play because he like Morris has this tendency to just like duck into the post for no fucking reason while Randall's already in the post so it gets like super cramped because Todd isn't in there. Um, also, I'm not sure why Todd like didn't play at all down the stretch. That was stupid. Um, but yeah, it, it's I, I don't know. It's like you just see stuff like that and you know it's it's like every game there's so. There's no consistent logic. It's all, like, very much throwing shit at the wall, and if it works, it works great. But, um, you know, like, that's a thing. If he was messing up someone like the lead guard minutes today, I wouldn't have been upset because, obviously, like, Frank gets injured. Elford, we already know, is out. So you're kind of left with, like, DSJ or RJ masquerading as one for a little bit, which he actually did decently today. Um but, like, it's it's that stuff that there is no reason that he should be fucking up the, the knock stuff or uh, the Taj not getting any burn stuff. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's, to me, like, you know, people make fun of the power forward thing. And my thing is, like, you got five front court players for two front court spots. That shouldn't be a log jam. That shouldn't be... Like you should be able to get all of those guys minutes and 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 it'd be fine between those two positions, right? Like the issue is that he doesn't like I don't know if he's I, he doesn't see it. He doesn't seem to care either. Um, that like you know the spacing is so bad on this team most of the time. And today, like that wasn't the issue. Today that wasn't the issue, which was really nice actually. The issue was you know different, like weird defensive scheme that eventually got exposed by a good coach, um, you know, the bizarre coaching stuff, like, the, the spacing itself was fine. But, like, you know that if Morris, whenever Morris, if Morris is healthy tomorrow, he's starting again. And it's going to be the same shit. So it's yeah. like, it's, I, I, I'm just frustrated because 
I refuse this this entire argument that like we shouldn't fire Fizz because one, it's a bad look, and two, the the kids need stability. That's a bullshit argument. All right, like Carl Anthony Towns had how many coaches in Minnesota? Did that like fuck up his development, or is the development better off now because now they have a coach who is like scheming to highlight Carl Anthony Towns? Devin Booker had how many coaches in Phoenix? Is his development worse off, or is it better off because now they finally found a coach who, you know, and, like, they also made moves to, like, actually put together a competent roster. Like, is his development screwed up now because of that? No, it's not. Like, what screws up your development is sticking with a shitty coach that isn't doing a good job. That's the fucking problem. The problem isn't firing a bad coach. When has that ever been... When has that (laughs) ever been a fucking problem in the history of professional sports? I've never fucking once... Heard such a ridiculous argument. Oh, firing a bad coach is stupid. It's it's detrimental to the players and the team. How? What what is he doing to make the players and the team better? What is he doing to optimize the players on his team? What he's not doing anything. He's just fucking. He's like a. It's like he won a contest. He's like Eddie. You seen the movie Eddie? He's like Eddie. Eddie would be better. Eddie yeah. would be great. He's Eddie would be better as the coach though. She yeah. would hold her vets accountable. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm loving this. I want you to keep going. I'm just thinking of Fizz. You go back to, you know, last year when it start, when we first started having issues with Fizz. I mean, I think it goes back to him saying, Moody, are we going to get you right? That just started everything. But, yeah, we were you know, all like, uh, uh, I be. <laughs> right. <about> that. <laughs> yeah. So he, start, he starts the year. Remember, he, he kind of almost lucks into that, that starting five that was doing pretty decent with Frank Dart, um, I think Timmy, um, yeah. Itch, and who was the last one? Bonley. Yeah. Yes, no Bonley. Um, and then goes goes away from it, even though the net rating was incredible, I think the best of any five-man unit, and his argument is, well, we weren't winning. Then we proceed to lose way more than before, and he never plays it again. Obviously, the trade happened with Timmy, so that's why as well. But... Fizz, since he's been here, has been throwing more and more random shit at the wall. You know, look at Frank playing the three last year. Now, if if you saw, like, oh, Frank played the three last year, and now this year he's playing way more wing play, and you could see that it worked. That didn't happen. He just played him at the three a bunch last year, and now he's never playing at the three again, which we all know is the right thing. It's good that he's finally playing his position. But I can't even trace any logic back to what he did with Frank last year. Um, and even this year with Frank starting, it all happened because... Unfortunately, DSJ had his stepmom die, and Alfred Payton got injured. So the, the things that have worked for us, you know, the one thing I'll give Fizz credit for is getting rid of cancer early, knowing he didn't want to go down that route, and kind of, you know, letting Mitch start early and get some reps. But outside of that, man, it just seems like Fizz is making it up as he goes along. He's, he, he gets in these press conferences, and he keeps giving this idea that, like, we're about to turn the corner, but none of that you really see on the court. Kevin Knox has just been, what a roller coaster for this guy. You know what I mean? He's getting, the last couple of games, he's getting slated, basically, for his defense, his lack of intensity. He gets his first ever DNP last game. And obviously, circumstances is why this happened. But now he's starting immediately. After all the talk of Knox has to earn it. Now, I'm not this <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's just like, I, I, and here's the, here's the really messed up part about it, right? Knox actually, it looked like, you know, he was a little bit more invigorated tonight, had a couple of blocks, you know, was a little bit active, still sloppy at times, but a bit more active. But if the idea is that he has to earn it, how, like, literally, you said that yesterday, how is he now starting immediately? Like, I wouldn't it be more, you know, to show Knox, hey, you know what, Marcus is out, and you're still not playing because you haven't earned it. 
if, if, if you're using that logic and consistency. There's just no logic or consistency. You know what the funny thing is, man? I don't even hate Fizz. I actually think he's trying. I think he's just way out of his depth. Um, but, you know, the sad part about it is that the best argument for keeping Fizz is literally the Knicks do this all the time. And if that's the best argument for keeping a coach that the Knicks have a history of maybe firing coaches too early or whatever, that's not a good argument. And we're 102 games in. We're now after the second referendum on the 10-game stretch. We're 2-8 and eight and 2-8, and 4-16, and 16, probably going to lose the next three or four games. I'm looking at that Warriors game that's coming up in, uh, I think, four or five games from now. I feel like if we lose, if we lose out, right? If we lose the next couple of games, the Bucks and a couple of teams after, I think the Nuggets and then the Pacers, and then we lose to Golden State. I think he gets the can after Golden State because that would just be next level embarrassing. But uh, I even know where to go with, you know, it's it's one of the. I mean, we've all been watching the Knicks forever. I've never felt this kind of just bewildered. I find myself laughing in my room like the Joker, and it's sad. <laughs> which 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 Joker though? Yeah, all, which one. I think throughout the season, I've been Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger. <laughs> I've been, I've been, I wrote damaged on my head like Jared Leto once. It's just it's been bad. Guys. And then, it's been, every joke. Shout out to Joaquin Phoenix, too, as well. <laughs> well uh, Everyone knows that if you just fire Steve Mills, um, David Fizzell's going to coach better. So I think they should look into firing Steve Mills right now in order I, to make sure that Fizzdale is a better coach. The order of odds, like, it's such a stupid argument because no one is saying don't fire da- Steve Mills at a certain point. It's just like there's a logical order of operations to this stuff. Like you don't fire a front office in the middle of the fucking season. You don't. Like I don't know how many times does that happen. You fire GM in the middle of the season. It doesn't make sense to do it. At least the, the, you don't do it until at least after the trade deadline, right? Like right, exactly. That would be like the earliest you do it. Wh- when like, did, all right. Yeah. Like, when did who? Get fired. When did, you're best. When did Grunwald get fire, fired from? Not Grunwald. Um, Grunfeld from the Wizards because they didn't have a GM at the draft last year. So I'm just wondering. I don't think they fired him until after the trade deadline. But I'm no. Not, I think they traded. I think they fired him in the off season. Yeah, they were really dumb. Didn't they fire him like right before the draft? Yeah, no. They, yeah, they fired him like like two weeks or so before the draft or something like that. Then they went in without April. A, uh, April second. Yeah, exactly. April second. Yeah, and the draft was so in draft, May, so it was about like a month or so. Yeah, that was that was dumb. Yeah, right. right. No, the draft is end of June. It's like June. Is it? 20. Yeah, because free agency is July one. Oh yeah, I'm losing track of time these days. But I mean, either <laughs> way, it's like it's like that's actually the, the problem wasn't when they fired him. The problem is that they just didn't hire anybody for the longest time. Um, but yeah, like you know that that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, yeah, we wait until basically the end of the season. And then if you want to fire the front office, fire the front office, then that's perfectly fine with me. Like, you know, obviously, if that's the decision they come to at the end of the season, that's perfectly fine. I have no problem with that. But firing Fizz right now doesn't become like – it's it's not a get-out-of-jail-free <laughs> a, a, a card for the front office. It's actually – it's an indictment on them because they hired him, and they had to fire him less than two years into his into his tenure. Like, I, I don't see how that – People think like this. That's them getting themselves off the hook. Like I, I, I can't imagine even Dolan would view it like that. What Dolan's gonna be like? Okay, so I'm firing this guy now, and I gotta pay him probably something like five, maybe more million per year uh, for the next two. I'm not sure if his last year is guaranteed or not. I think that's an option. But like, 
So like at least basically two full seasons, like basically two seasons, you're gonna be paying him to not mm-hmm. coach. Like you think James Dolan is just gonna be like, like when you make that decision, obviously, I I know people like think Dolan just like pisses away money and doesn't care about it, but I think you can tell over the last few years like he really does care about it and he's not just gonna be okay with that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just it it just doesn't really make sense to me. Um. With anything Fizz does, or this idea that we shouldn't—that if we fire him, the front office is getting off the hook. Like, no, just fire Fizz, appoint an interim, see what the hell he does for the rest of the year, make a decision. It, this isn't. This doesn't need to be that complicated. Like, I don't know. I, I don't think it is that complicated. Just do that. Do exactly what I just said, and I think everyone would be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. This yeah, actually I, brings up. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this does bring up two points that we that we talked about before the uh, recording that we wanted to get into is this idea of not just how we not like a genet- general we for people who talk about like sports, whether it's like the actual media, the, like the people like the reporters, bloggers, all these sort of things. There is this issue I always come about with reducing blame to one specific thing. And I always think it's a counterproductive way to talk about any sort of issues because it doesn't really get you anywhere. Because if you reduce it to, like, most of the time we're like, Fizdale should be fired, then they'll be like, then you, the counterargument would be like, well, who hired him? Then put the blame on, like, Mills. Then that becomes then, all right, then you put the blame on Dolan. Then it's like, okay, then what do you do with Dolan? So when you, like, follow this tract of reductionism, to its, like, ultimate peak, it becomes this nihilistic, what's the point of even discussing any of this type of argument, and I think it's very disingenuous, and I know, like, for Twitter, because of the character limit, there's a very difficult ability to actually talk with more nuance with these sort of things, but we talked about this even last week, and that's why I said it was, like, Groundhog's Day, because we said the same thing, we both said this, like, last week, like, firing Fizzle doesn't mean the front office is off the hook. It doesn't mean the front office is good. It doesn't really mean these things. It doesn't actually solve, like, all the issues, like, moving forward either, right? Because, like, we still don't know many things with the roster and stuff. It's the idea, like, we can't properly evaluate the roster because the coaching is so bad. So we need, like, something better in place to get an idea. Is it actually more of the players? Is it more of the coaching? Is it more of the front office? If it's all of this, how do we go from there and have these discussions? And it's just genuinely frustrating, like speaking with people, especially probably mainly on social media, about this in such a short, like you know, character limit. Like reductionism is pretty bad <laughs> with this with this Fisdale discussion because it's not just firing Fisdale. It's it's a much larger thing, and it's just like one issue of many issues. But it's just the first one that needs to be addressed, and that's why we keep harping on it because it's the one that needs to be addressed first more than anything else. Right. Yeah. And I would say this as well. Sorry. Cut no, you off. go ahead. Uh, Fisdale. The issues with Fisdale didn't start this year. Nope. No, <laughs> it was all last year, too. People, for, like, you know, put to the sign and forget. By, like, November last year, November, December, I remember I did a video when we were, like, 15 games in, and I'm like, I don't know what the plan is. Like, I've seen bad teams with a plan before. I have no idea what it is. I'm willing to give it time. I can, there's nothing I can really tell you from last year outside of, you know, Mitch throwing his potential late and things like that, that I'm like, oh, well, Fizz really locked in on this thing, so we're going to build on that. So he, he gets a, a pass, generally speaking, from the fan base, 
last year, has the worst season in Knicks history, but we kind of understand it. There's a midseason trade. We're going for free agency. None of the things that were supposed to happen happened in free agency. And then we come back this year and we have a worse record than last year. I'm sorry. That's, that's unacceptable. And I know we're, I know we're all about the rebuild and finally doing things the right way. And as, as Mills and Perry always say, not skipping steps. But sometimes firing a coach and getting the right guy is a step in that process. Um, and if we're getting to that point, I just hope they make that decision sooner rather than later. I don't get the idea of if it's not going to work, why, why let it run its course? You know, look at RJ. Let's bring up RJ really quickly. RJ's doing such a decent job, you know, rookie year coming in in this environment on a team that's so ill-suited to his strengths. Still, he's playing pretty de- well. How much better would RJ look with, like, a real coach and a real system in place and, a, and have him having the ball in his hands instead of Randall? And so many other things. So there's so much that could change with this team with better coaching. And I honestly, look, I know that firing Fizdale is going to create a media firestorm. That And the Knicks, you know, they should avoid that as much as possible. Meaning just a firestorm in any way. And we might talk about uh, Richard Jefferson later. But um, <laughs> but to me, right, it, it's, just, it's just at a point right now where I'm thinking, what's going to be more detrimental? The media firestorm? when it happens, or, if, you know, if it happens, or Fizz continuing to coach these guys into the ground for another eight, nine weeks, and then making that decision. I don't know. And it's, it's you know, like you said, it's a separate discussion. Perry and Mills, they, genu- they failed. They failed their plan. They didn't fail it with an F grade, so they didn't go screw it up and do what we might have done in the past. But when Perry came in in 2017, right, and he kind of put together his plan for what would happen, there were factors that changed things, of course, KP's injury, blah, blah, blah. But the entire point was what would happen this summer. It didn't happen. And if you look at the facts, if the Knicks had $70 million to spend and a number three pick on, you know, right after the draft, July 1st, whatever. Fast forward, end of the year, and they're 4-16. and 16. Sorry, that doesn't add up. And yeah. it, it doesn't add up. If you just look at it objectively and just look at that, if you gave a GM 70 mil, and a top three pick, and a roster, a young roster with at least some decent guys, you would not expect this. So I think the shoe could drop for Mills, Perry at the end of the season, perhaps, but that doesn't mean you can't address the physical issue now. And at least in that sense, you put even more pressure on Mills and Perry. Like, hey, you guys have, like, the rest of the season to figure this out. If Mike Miller's your guy, you, you know, maybe, you know, I know this heavily rumored that Miller coming up might have been a decision by Perry specifically. So if that's what's going on, then get Miller in there. Let's see what Mike can do because you guys got to own this together, right? But that does not mean that Fizz couldn't be the first domino to fall. It's not either or. It's, it's us trying to mm-hmm. become an organization that we can be proud of in a city that all we want is a decent team. I told someone, I'm like, yo, if the Knicks were a seven seed every year, the Garden would be on fire. The Garden would be on fire for a seven seed. We can barely get to competency. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the whole. Like, so, you know, when you're talking about reductionism, um, <clears throat> I'll give a, since we've just been talking about Fizz so much, uh, a good example of this would be, like, Julius Randle, actually, because people are just like, dude, Randle fucking sucks. I've said it, too, right? I'm not trying to, like, act like I haven't been been shitting on the guy constantly. But, like, you know, I, I remember I was watching, when I was watching the Sixers game, especially, that's, like, kind of when I just came to, like, this kind of, <laughs> this, like, Nirvana with my understanding of Julius Randle because I was just like, look, like, 
they're like whatever. The contract is the contract, you know. Like I don't think it's that. It's not an albatross if you're using him right. It's not necessarily a value, but it's not an albatross if you're using him right. And we're not using him right. So like I don't. It's hard for me to constantly just get mad at Julius Randle when we are asking him to be like this high IQ decision maker on the ball that we're running all the offense through. Which is, like, not his role. That's not what he's good at. What he's good at is pick-and-roll finishing. What he's good at is getting out and filling the wing in transition. Like, getting ahead of the ball, not bringing the ball up himself. Like, not like he's not good at face-up isos from the top of the key. He's not good at, like, breaking down a set defense like that. Why are we asking him to do those things? And if the answer is, well, somebody has to do it and, like, Fizz doesn't have enough talent, like, that's a bad answer. That's a bad answer because the solution should be okay, look, these are the players I have. These are the things they're good at. I need to get as many possessions as possible in a game where I am putting them in those positions. Yes, are there going to be possessions that end up becoming shitty ISOs and Randall has to throw up a bailout? Of course. Of course, that happens to every team, good or bad, in the NBA. Like, that's why stars make such a difference because typically stars are able to produce higher value shots on those bailout possessions. That's why they are stars. But we don't have a star. That's fine. I'm fine with that. You know who else doesn't have a fucking star? The Charlotte Hornets. Okay, <laughs> they don't have a star. But they have a, they, they, they attack the game with a purpose. They attack with a clear identity. This is what we want to do. This is how I'm going to use these players. And, you know, push comes to shove. That's what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, that's me optimizing the roster. We're not optimizing this roster by any stretch of imagination. So... I just I think it's reductive to simply say uh, Randall sucks, for example, right? Look, why does Randall suck? Some of that definitely falls on him. Of course it does. We should blame him for that stuff. I have, you know, like the defensive, the lack of defense. Today he had a possession where he drove, he missed a shot, thought he got fouled, and then he stood. This is like during the fourth quarter when the Celtics were making their runs. Yep. He's back there yep. arguing with the ref yep. instead of getting his fucking ass back there, like. That's that's on him. That is on him 100%. But at the same time, if you let him get away with that stuff and there's no right. accountability, that's where Fizz comes in. That falls on him. And the front office is responsible if they see this shit and don't think anything needs to change. That falls on them. Like, these, like there are levels to all this stuff. There's Nobody is 100% at fault. The only thing I, I know, the only thing I promise you is that there are better ways to use this roster, and a better co- an average coach, an average coach, has us at like seven wins probably right oh, now. Oh, a hundred, a hundred. It's not like we're asking him. Like, look, no, I don't think any of us is like, oh man, Fizz has to win. Fucking, he better be challenging. I, don't, I wasn't even. <laughs> I didn't even think about the playoffs here. Which hilariously, like, if we ever did get our shit together, it is somehow still within the realm of possibility, which is insane to me. Because um, the East is just that shit. It's that bad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, that's that's the stuff. And it's like, you know, when media members do that stuff, because when that report came out with, um, you know, after that that, uh, that that Cavs game and Mills and Dolan, or Mills and Perry, come on, the press conference the next day, whoa, just talking about how Mills is laying the seeds for Mills. <laughs> ouster and it's just like dude first of all like like this isn't fucking the game of thrones dude like shut the fuck up this isn't like that this is not like illogical this is how businesses work oh employee a sucks at his job he's underperforming we're gonna give him another chance to 
we're giving him a, an extended run here to to prove that he can turn that around. Like, but in the meantime, we should probably uh, plan for the potential of his exit. Like, that's just business, dude. It's not like this crazy, like, sinister plot where they're undermining Fizdale. How are they undermining Fizdale? They undermined Fizdale the first ten games of the year when we were tripping over our fucking dicks? No. No, they weren't. They, we just sucked. And that we sucked largely because, not largely, uh, yeah, largely, not entirely, largely, because it was terrible coaching. You know, um, like, whatever you want to say, like, I think the Nets hype when they sucked was, like, really over the top. I and mean, it was over the top even last year. But the one thing that we can, what, no matter how you feel about their style of play, you knew exactly what the Nets were trying to do on any given night. Okay, you knew what they were trying to achieve on the basketball court. Okay, you can't watch the Knicks and have any idea of what we're trying to achieve. Like, the only thing I know we're trying to achieve is getting Randall ISO touches in the post. Like, that's the only thing I know for certain we're trying to achieve. But, like, you brought up RJ, right? Like, RJ with a good coach would probably be, Like, and this, then this is where the front office comes into me. Because if, like, do we, do they really think that Fizz if if they think Fizz is doing a bad job, right, why do they think he's doing a bad job? Is it because wins and losses, or is it because the goal of the season, which in my opinion should be the goal of the season, is we gave you all these vets, okay? And people act like it's this crime they gave him these vets. They gave you all these vets. Are they are they perfect? No, they're absolutely not perfect. Nobody's nobody's. No, I mean, none of us even thought that at any point, right? Um, we knew this was a, a flawed roster. That's why the most optimistic, I think, was like 35 wins that I saw from any reasonable person. That's the most optimistic I saw. I personally was like 30 wins, you know, whatever. But, like, to me, the purpose of the signing the vets is, okay, look, last year you had an excuse for just getting your ass handed to you constantly, right? No problem with that. Obviously, um, I had issues with this coaching last year, but it's like, you know, if he's costing you, let's say, four to six points a game as a coach, like, it really didn't matter last year because we sucked so bad that, like, <laughs> that that didn't make a difference to winning or losing a, a big deal. Um, but now, we gave you competent players, okay? Whatever you want. Are they flawed? Yes. But they're competent players, okay, for the most part. Let's, let's – can you use these guys to complement your young players and put them in positions to succeed and develop them while being competitive. That, to me, is, or at least that's what I viewed the goal of the season and, and kind of the standard on which I was grading Fizz on coming into the season, right? And by that metric, I think he's absolutely failed. Because instead of, you know, and yes, I understand, like, they signed Randall, obviously, to, like, kind of be a headline player. Um, and that's fine. It, it's like a, it was a decent risk to take, right? Uh, and I still think it's a good, it's a, it's a good risk. Like how much, no matter how much he annoys me, I think at the time, I think it was a good gamble to 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 make um, yeah. on a 24 year old player. Totally fine. Okay, but like instead of using, he's actually building whatever system we're trying to run, which looks like you know something out of fucking the '94 Knicks playbook, which is just <laughs> garbage isos. But like. He's trying to build the entire system around that and then using the young players to kind of be like these supporting acts, which is ass backwards. It's totally ass backwards. Like, 
Dennis Smith Jr., I, I've never seen this guy come down the floor. I've never seen him in the one and a half years before he came to Nick. I've never seen him run down the floor, and as soon as he crosses half court, look to swing the ball to somebody. I've never seen that before. And yeah. now he's, he's, he has Dennis Smith Jr. playing like a goddamn game manager. Like, I'm not the biggest. I was never the biggest Dennis Smith Jr. fan. But if Dennis Smith Jr. has a path to being a good NBA player, it is it is because he is allowed to like be this offensive high usage orchestrator that comes down the floor and has some license to kind of probe and and set things up. And like yes, there are going to be ugly stretches during that. We saw it today. There was a ton of there was a hideous stretch in the fourth quarter where he just kept dribbling and dribbling and dribbling and went nowhere. Right? Of course, we're gonna have to deal with that. That's fine. But why is he like? You know, he had a good game today, but it was almost like the ball just found him, and in those positions that were advantageous, he took he took advantage of them, right? Whereas, like, like to me, a good coach would be like, "Wow, Dennis has it going tonight. Let's let's run some high pick and roll for him. Let's run some double double drag screens when we come down when we bring the ball up the floor." Right? There's none of that. There's no recognition of that. It was just like, "Oh, Randall's having a good game, so let's give him ISO post touches in the fourth quarter." There was no, like, like RJ and Dennis Smith and, like, these guys, and they have good games. It's almost like it just happens to be a night where the ball finds them rather than, like, the coach being like, oh, yeah, no, tonight's he's got it going tonight. Like, let's run some action for him, right? Like, that Dallas, that game at Dallas where Frank just, like, you know, put his junk on the table. Mm-hmm. And, like, that game, the ball just happened to find him when he was open for threes, you know? Mm-hmm. We didn't run anything for him. You know, like I've watched those highlights, like you know, seventy-five billion times, obviously. But like, <laughs> but wasn't, like wasn't, wasn't there a game? I just want to say, sorry, I forget. Wasn't there a game where Frank had it kind of going? I'm trying to remember. It was like last Philly, week. Or it was Philly, right? Where he had it going, and then he just didn't touch the ball late at all, right? Despite having such a good game up to that point, where and look, some of that is on Frank too. So you know, Frank's gonna have to grow into a guy who's like, no, give me the ball, but. Fizz knows what kind of player Frank is. Frank is going to do what the coach wants. And at that moment, that's when you want the coach to say, hey, Frank, you know what? This is you now. You're going to gain some pick and roll. You're going to take some elbow jumpers. You feel pretty comfortable there. you got it going tonight. Let's make it happen. And you never really see that. I, I said early on in the season, I was just like, Fizz just does not put people in a position to succeed. Like he puts right. these – I'm not I'm – not, I'm just putting expectations on them, but – but by by the way he sets them up to play, it's almost like he is putting expectations on them. Like Julius, you go be prime LeBron, and they if they don't do it or fail, they look worse than they really are. And I don't, I, I'm trying to think of who Fizz has really helped in terms of man, you you know you have a lot of um, weaknesses in your game, but I figured a way for you to be really effective. With Fizz, it seems like the opposite. It's like you have weaknesses, and I'm gonna show everyone because I'm gonna make you do shit you can't do consistently. And people are going to hate you for it. All right, good luck. That's what it feels like sometimes. Everyone out there is just doing – Dennis Smith, you brought him up. Dennis Smith is out there doing things that would only make sense for Frank even last year. Because even this year, Frank looks way more competent being a lead guard. And here's Dennis Smith not playing to his strengths, not getting up and down in the court, not having freedom. Uh, it's like this weird, static, one-size-fits-all thing, which is so weird too because Fins can't make a decision. So he's, like, so indecisive in general, which would make you think he might give guys kind of, you know, a bit more freedom to be who they are instead of trying to pigeonhole them into things sometimes. Yet, on the other hand, you know, he, he, he has a guy like Dennis Smith playing offense like that or Julius Randle being his primary ball handler at times. It, it's so confusing with Fizz. 
And I, Milton Perry has to be seeing this. There's no way. Listen, Perry put together this whole roster, right? He picked everyone here. He like pretty much everyone on this Except roster. Except for Frank. Think, Frank and Dot, right? <laughs> everyone else. Everyone. <laughs> no, 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 but he, but he, but Dot, Dot fits Perry's. You know. Like, yeah. He fits the type. Frank yeah. is 100 percent like this unwanted redheaded stepchild that like oh, yeah. he just has to keep because <laughs> Mills like loves him. Nice. <laughs> let me go to oh, let me go to a quick answer on Frank real quick because you'll find this pretty uh funny. So at the game on Friday, I'm with my family and my sister who doesn't really doesn't really like follow basketball closely or anything like that. But like she like she's watched like high school and college, so she kind of like understands it to a degree. Yeah. So we're watching the game and she's like. Who's that number eleven on the next with the blue shoes? And I'm like, his name is Frank Nilakina, and she's like, I like the way he plays. He's a good player. I really like him. Then, like as the game kept going, she's like, he's my favorite player on the Knicks. And it's just like, even people who don't follow the game, yeah, but she probably just thinks he's hot. I mean, that could be the case too. I mean, just look at him. But like, <laughs> but like so it's just one of those things that you're just watching the game. Like, you don't really have the box scores with you. You don't, you know, you don't have the announcers or anything like that. You're just watching the game live. And even someone who's not doesn't follow basketball that closely, but understands how basketball works, is like, you know, that guy's good. He's a good player. He's someone that good teams like use well. And it's just like for some reason for the Knicks, they don't they, you know, just lucked into him <laughs> starting. Which is just insane. Just I just wanted to get on the, on the tangent, just basically. Well, well, actually, like no, no, no. This actually goes back to your point about like reductionism, right? Where like everybody's like, oh, well, Frank's only here because it's an accident, and um, and like like this is an example of Perry and Mills like just getting lucky or whatever, like wasting a young. But like actually, if you and I've been saying this since last year. I've been saying this since last year. I think I said it to Terry multiple times too. Like. I've been saying this. The only reason Frank is still here is because Mills loves him. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's 100% true. I've been saying that. It's been readily obvious if you have any common sense and just, like, read between the lines of everything. You know, like, people want to act like, and I'm not, again, Mills is has a very poor track record, right? We can parse, we can parse between, like, what was his actual role? How We don't know. But let's just say it's a poor track record because I don't want to get into, like, this debate about Mills. But, like... Mills, like, he he is the one that went over and scouted Frank. Like, I know Clarence Gaines went too, probably, but I know, like, it was reported in the news that Mills did, he went over there. He's the one that interviewed all, like, the, uh, all the, his his teammates and his coaches. Um, in his first press conference, when he took the president job after Phil got axed, um, he could have easily distanced himself from that pick. Right, and he did it. He was like, he's like, no, he's like, if he's like, if I was in charge, like Frank would have been my pick too. Like, you know, he he's he made it a point. I remember he did a uh, a thing with Stephen A. Smith, like an interview on his show or something, that first that next year at the start of the year, and he was like, he went out of his way to be like, no, Frank, like, like Frank is a good player, like this guy, like he at every opportunity. If you did not like a player, like there are ways to kind of like you know. Say it without saying it. Perry does it all the time with Frank, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, Perry does it all the time with Frank. But but Mills always goes out of his way to like let you know, like it's actually kind of embarrassing how obvious it is that he has like this huge crush on Frank. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, I got a quick anecdote about that. Um, oh yeah, I, you told me about this. Yeah, yeah, when I spoke to Mills in D.C. for the first preseason game. Um, I think Perry had done an interview. It was all the preseason stuff. So Perry did an interview about Frank and FIBA and stuff like that. Not that alone, but, you know, that came up. And he basically said um, it was something like it was great to see 
what he could do there. Let's hope he can bring it here, right? And I remember Mills, when I spoke to Mills, and I said it was so great to see Frank at FIBA. Mills said, I was glad he was healthy so he could show them what he, who he is. <laughs> and so you can see, it's not that Mills ever doubted him the way Perry. I genuinely think they were out on Frank. Believe me, if Frank didn't have that in FIBA, there's no way he's here. I think that's why Peyton was signed, too. I don't think there was any idea. Even, even when the season started, if that stuff didn't happen, Frank could have been collecting his, like, 11th Street DMP right now. Yeah. So we have, really have no clue how that would have gone. But, yeah, it's definitely Mills keeping him here. And I think Frank definitely, at least so far, has really forced, you know, both Fisdale and Perry, they forced their hands. Like, hey, I'm a valuable player. I'm a valuable piece of this team. I've clearly improved. So you see how mm-hmm. that goes. But... There are, a lot, there are a lot of issues with this franchise. I have to give – I want to give – Perry, when he came in, and, and even Fisdale and Mills to an extent, they genuinely – I could see they genuinely wanted to clean up the organization and have a very positive mindset and, you know, keep it clean, not too much drama. And even with some of the things, they've done an okay job, maybe a little bit below average, but they definitely haven't blown it up. But at this point, the way things are heading – it can get it can get as ugly as it's always been in 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 the, for the last twenty years real quick. Despite some of the good work they've done, just in terms of at least being calm, not giving out stupid contracts, keeping your picks, which is like the yeah. bare minimum. But this is what we're dealing with. So yeah, uh, like all, all the drama now is related to basketball. Like yeah. it's not related to like you know fucking Anuka Brown Sanders sexual harassment case. It's not exactly. like. The, the president taking shots at Mello. It's not like any variety. It's not Derrick Rose going AWOL before a game. It's oh, not man. Joe Kim Noah getting suspended for PEDs and then spending way too much time out in LES. Like, it's not any of that stuff. It, it's just like this is a maybe a, it's a poorly constructed roster. The coaching sucks. Like, uh, the young players maybe aren't developing as fast as we want or think they should or you know, deem appropriate, whatever. Like, those are all basketball issues. So, like, very again, very big. I'm not, I'm not really trying to, like, praise them for it as much as, like, you know, that is actually <clears throat> some type of progress, uh, it, even if it's even if it's very, very much, like, minim, minimal. Um, yeah. But it is something. It was, that's mm-hmm. what I feel. Like, it was something. And I want to give, like, they genuinely, like, they're trying. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about Fizz, how much he's really trying with the coaching, but... You know, they, when they came here, they had a mindset. I got to give Fizz credit at least for getting, like, some of the vets back in, like, the, you know, their alumni back involved with the team. They tried, but at some point, especially with what's going on this season, they're going to have to admit some of their failures. And the trade deadline, and not even the trade deadline, just December, December 15th. 15th. Yeah. yeah. That is going to be very telling because what I want to see and what will give me any kind of faith for these guys going forward is an admittal that we screwed up the summer. We picked. We did not put together a roster that made sense, or even a roster that would have worked for. I mean, I didn't want to give Fizdale any credit here, so we didn't put together a roster to make sense. Fizdale's not coaching well, <laughs> right? Like, like if they admit that in December and uh, and adjust, move the sales over to the east or something, change the sales, change the direction, get Knox in there, let Knox, RJ, Frank, Mitch, let these guys just play. If you fire Fizz, make sure Miller. Because I think it would. I think it would probably be Miller. I think they would let Miller finish the season. And then go to someone in the offseason, perhaps. So, if that's this, if that's what's going on, let Miller get in there. Let Miller really work on installing a system and accountability and those things. I would be like, you know what? Yeah, it wasn't perfect, but I'm glad we have a Knicks front office that adjusted when they realized they failed and didn't try to stick to their guns. 
Yeah, like adjusting is fine. Adjusting is actually yeah. uh, uh, that's what a good front office does. Like, yeah, like, like fucking Daryl Morey does that all the time. Like, he, oh man, uh, James Harden hates Chris Paul. Let me trade for Russell Westbrook. Probably a terrible <laughs> trade, but like you get what I'm saying. Like, a good yeah. front office has to adjust. Like, that's why you're a good front office probably mo- most of the time. Like, uh, you know, the Celtics obviously things did not go as as they planned after the Kyrie trade, but they adjusted. They didn't just sit there and, like, cry about it. They're like, okay, fuck this, let's get Kemba. You know, like, they made adjustments. You have to adjust to, to, to what actually happens, you know? Right. And, and like, that's that's how you just have to operate. So, like, to me, the look, just uh, I, want, I wanted to keep Morris. I wanted to keep Morris. But, like, the season is gone. It's lost. Yeah. There's no, yeah. There's no value in the 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 things he does because of where the season is already at. So you should try you can like don't look at he's shooting fifty two percent from three. Like do you really think that's sustainable? It's absolutely not sustainable. Like sell hot that's a guy you immediately a content I guarantee you some team would give up a first round pick for him. Oh like, easy. A, a contender is definitely gonna give you an expiring contract on a first round pick for him. Hundred percent it would happen. Like that should be okay. Like, to me that I mean that's basically like the equivalent of taking on a salary dump for a first-round pick, right? You just did it in a different way. So, like, do that. Get Ellington out of here, not because I think he sucks, more more because, like, whatever. Like, we have Dot. Bullock's going to get healthy at some point. RJ is there. Knox is there. Zoe, if, you know, but he should probably get traded, too. Like, they're just guys we need to trade, and that's fine. Like, just do that. Get assets yep. back. And, and play, like, I, I, I've been saying this all year. Play your five guys that are on rookie-scale... Six guys, basically, that are on rookie-scale contracts, right? RJ, Knox, Frank, Mitch, uh, Dotson, and Dennis Jr. Those should be the six... Those six guys should be getting... They should all be getting 20 minutes every night, no matter what, basically. Um, like, uh, that that minimum, I'm saying, at minimum, they should all be, you know, fixtures like that. And, and like... I don't mind the Iggy thing. I think people are really overreacting to like, oh, like, why aren't they playing? It's fine if they want to keep him in the G League for this first year. Like, that's fine to do with the second round pick. I, I let's, I like Iggy. Yeah, I think he has a chance. Pump the brakes. Yeah. yeah, like I, I like Iggy. I wrote about him before the draft. I, you know, I watched his entire college career. Like, I love the guy. But he was the forty seventh pick, and like, even if I think he's going to be a good player, it's totally reasonable to just be like, look, let's just develop him in the G League for a year, and then. We'll see maybe later in the year when we make trades or next year, like, he'll come up. Like, that's not, that's fine. No, not a big deal. Um, but there are just guys that don't need to be here. I think Payton doesn't need to be here. I guarantee you some team will be like, well, we need to get a better backup point. Like, let's let's get the, like Payton. Maybe he'll be good. If not, we can just wave him after the year. Whatever. You get a second-round pick for that? Cool. Like, there are ways to get assets with this roster and then lean into the people. Because you know what? As annoying as today's game was, for the most part, I was fine. Because I was like, oh. All the young guys that I want to see get minutes are getting minutes. That's fine. That's great. And they played well. Right. Right. So it's it's well maybe not Mitch, but they played well. Yeah, like that's exactly what you want. It's it's totally cool. So just do that. And if you do that, I you know if they if they just if Fizz lean into that and the front office instructed him to lean into that, they would all buy them. They would buy themselves time because fans would be like fans would be like all right whatever like Fizz is annoying, but as long as he's doing this, we don't need to like trade him. Like, we don't need to fire him. <laughs> right. You know, like, that, we, that, we, we, like, all right, we can deal with this at the end of the year. For now, this is fine. That's exactly how I feel. The palpable anger we have now is watching Portis and Randall. I mean, Randall's in this weird spot where he's in between, you know, the vet and the kids. 
He's on this yeah. contract. So I don't, I don't know what I want to do with him. But, but the point is, is that rare, the anger that comes out is usually these older guys who are supposed to be getting us wins doing stupid shit. Whereas if it was a kid, we forgive him. Look how we forgive Frank and Knox. I mean, Knox at defense annoys us often. But we, we want to see these kids grow and develop. And not just that, build chemistry, right? In a year yeah. like this where yeah. nothing's going to end up mattering, if you're giving me Frank, RJ, Knox, Mitch out there, and Dennis Smith are going to see how he plays into this at some point, I'm like, you know what? They're getting to know each other better. I remember feeling last year, I'm like, we played this whole season, which is why I bring up Fizz last year a lot. It's because this is not about this season only. Nothing, there's, if, he had a, if you saw last year a lot of, you know, consistency near the end, um, a system coming up. You're seeing continuity. You felt like, oh, there's a thing here. And then this year started badly. Then at least you could point back to last year and say, yeah, you know what, though? But look what Fizz was able to do last year. It's gonna, like, he, he knows what he's doing. The problem is, is that we don't know anything he did last year. Fizz had a vacation last year in New York City, right? Because, <laughs> yes, and, and, and you know what? You know what? You know what sucks? Because you can almost go back to the front office with this, and it's a good question to consider. Did they give him a super false sense of security that we're definitely going to be getting shit this summer? Because you almost get a sense that Fizzle came in with a very lazy fair attitude of like, okay, we got this year to, you know, just do some shit. Let's see what happens. We're, we're, instead of like, okay, I'm in New York. Let me, let me start building this for real. Um, and you, you wonder, I don't want to say Fizz is coaching based on the front office, but you do wonder if they lulled him into any kind of false sense of anything. Because... To be honest, they should have been evaluating last year. This idea that, like, oh, it's not going to matter. We're about to get KD and Kyrie is stupid because Fizz would have been screwing it up with them, too. Um, you know, we've seen star players on bad with bad systems and coaching. They get their buckets, but they flame out in the playoffs early. So uh, there's, just, there's so much to unpack about what's wrong. But like you said, I want to – if they make a decision that they messed up and are just based on that in the next month, I – I'm happy. I would let Fizz ride the year out. Let's see the kids play. You basically then tell Fizzdale, hey, look, so you got this year now. It's going to be kind of a, re- a redux of last year. But, you know, we want to see more progress. We got rid of the vets. Play these kids. Develop them. Let's see co- some continuity. I can accept that. And then we can judge at the end of the season. If they try to double down. Now, they, w- they won't try to double down fully. But if they do something like try to get DeMar DeRozan or something just for the year because they feel like they have to win. That's gonna you yeah. get yeah no no like they cannot make they they should not be the only type of win now trade I would accept is something like they give up a couple of picks and fucking Knox or something like that for Brandon Ingram right like right. that's yep. that's a win now trade but it's also like this is the long term piece and like whatever okay like I, I'm not saying that should be the exact parameters of the trade I'm just saying like Ingram would be a player that if they traded for. I depending on the cost would would be fine, right? Like that profile of player is fine to trade for. Like, look, one person I think they should be aggressively trying to trade for, and and at least kicking the tires on is Lori Markkinen. I think they should definitely be uh, like I would have zero problem trading both of the Dallas picks for Lori Markkinen because that man is clearly being misused in Chicago. I'm not I'm not sure they're, they're another they're another stupid organization. So like you should take advantage of stupid organizations. That's like what the pe- that's what smart GMs have done to the Knicks for years, right? Like take advantage of the Knicks being stupid. Um, so that's you know, you, you know what sucks about that though is that 
So for for one, I don't want to give up both for him. I I think we could get it with a first and some seconds and maybe treat I don't know something else. But what I would say is the sad thing is we know that will never happen because of Julius Randle. They would never. Right. They're not going to admit anything about Julius Randle this season, even if it's not all his fault. There's no chance they trade someone. They trade for a four and bench Randle or, or trade Randle away. I just know that's the thing. It, it's just sad. Well, well they. Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't need to. They wouldn't need to bench Randall. They could just bench Taj since we're not going to start Mitch anyway. And that's <laughs> true. You know, oh, could you imagine the power forward jokes? By the way, when we get Markinen, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I wouldn't even care, man. I'm. I'm. Yeah. Just, I'm dead serious though. I think like if I'm running the Knicks, I am on the phone trying to make that happen all day because Markinen in Mitch is like that. That is what you want. That is yep. literally what you want in your front court. So. Um, yeah, that, I would be very aggressive with that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Like, I, I think the front office just needs to kind of just adjust, right? Because if you adjust, then, then things are okay. And, uh, it can make a lot more sense. Because, like, like you said, like, we just want to see these kids play together and develop chemistry because, like, like, it's fucking bananas to me that last year we didn't prioritize playing. And we had, like, barely any kids last year, right? We had Frank, we had Kevin, we had, Trier and Mitch. Trier Dot and Mitch. And Dot. Like, and Dot. It wasn't yeah. Dot. It wasn't, yeah. yeah. Dot's and it's like, like 35 years old, though. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> it's like you know, just, like, we never, we didn't prioritize playing those guys together. Like, how yeah. do you, I don't care how you feel about Frank Nielakina, you know, if you're if you're Scott Perry or if you're David Fizdale, but just, like, from a logic perspective, you'd be like, all right, we drafted this guy eighth overall. Even if we want to trade him, it behooves us to play him. And, and like, also... He was a lottery pick, and we drafted this other lottery pick, Kevin Knox. Like, we should probably try and see if we can get these guys reps together and see how they look together. And, like, we just didn't prioritize that for some reason last year. Um, and this year, it's like we kind of, we've kind we stumbled into this, like, Frank-RJ thing, which has shown some promising signs. Um, obviously, Frank needs to come some way as a, you know, ball handler and creator, and uh, RJ has to go come some way as a shooter off ball. But, like, you know, you can see... Those two kind of have like a good. They 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 look good together. Like they they have their moments where you're like, oh, that that looks that that's nice. I like that. Um, and then, but it's like, why are we not prioritizing getting those two minutes with Knox and Mitch? Like today, we did it for like five seconds. And granted, yes, Frank got hurt, but it's like, we, it would have happened more today, but only because there was an injury and it had to happen. Like that's that's the issue, and it's like. I don't know. It, 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 the longer you let Fizdale coach like this, the more concerning it is to me on the front office. And, like, I'm already concerned about the front office, but it's, like, extremely concerning at that point um, if they just allow this to go on for another year, right? So that 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 is, to me, the, the biggest thing. Well, well, one thing, talking about adjusting, just real quick, um, going back to what I brought up about when Perry came in the summer of 2017. People forget, by the way, there was a summer of 2017 that he came, not later. I think a lot of people think he came, you know, I mean, later than that. He was there for KP's good start. So, anyway, yeah. So, my point, though, is with in terms of Fisdale, is that he was brought in to coach a different type of team. It's clear now that type of team is not happening for the foreseeable future. So, if he can't adjust and coach this team, admit it and move on. That's basically what it is for me. Right. They, they brought him in. If you told Perry and Mills back then that we're not getting anyone in free agency, Right, and you're gonna have to really develop kids. The only path out of the Knicks hellhole is gonna be developing these kids. 
I don't know if Fizdale is the coach. I think they, you know, they interviewed a couple of candidates. Of course, you know, Bud was there, which I know a lot of us wanted. Um, Monty Williams, man. Monty uh, Williams. Monty, uh, yeah, look at him now, right? I, I, I always loved him, man. I, I always... I always thought he got a really shitty rap in New Orleans. But sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, Monty's the man. Didn't he? Wait, when Monty left, wasn't it because of the, the his wife's death? Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, it wasn't. Uh, no, it wasn't. So he okay. was, that, that was when he was an assistant with OKC, I believe. Okay, That's okay you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. He got assistant. fired in New Orleans basically because they didn't think he was doing well enough with the roster, even though they had just made the playoffs. In like a super loaded West, I think they had to. I think they won like forty-eight games or something, like forty-five, forty-six games or something, just to make the playoffs. Right. Um, and like they clearly had chemistry issues with Eric Gordon and stuff like that, which he kind of like perfectly threaded the needle and just got got those guys to buy in. And then like the other weird thing that I always annoyed me was like they were like like oh we just like AD needs to shoot more threes. It's like bro, AD's averaging like. 27 and 12 on like 63 true shooting, not shooting threes. Like, fuck my ass. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> it's fine. You know, not everybody needs to shoot 15 threes a game, especially if you're doing the shit AD does. Um, right. Anyway, that that was but, my little ramp. But, but going back, <laughs> you were talking about that. But, but just that, though, the point is really just that. It's like, Fizday was brought in. If you, if you had a lie detector test on Perry right now, he will tell you he 100% thought we were getting stars and that Fizdale was going to coach them, and Fizdale was going to bring stars here. I can tell you Fizdale probably walked into that interview and just, like, talked their socks off with his smooth-talking voice. They liked him. They were like, okay, this is the guy. He has that experience in Miami. Players like him. We're going to get Kevin Durant. We're going to get someone else. It's going to be great. It didn't happen, right? So you're like, okay, cool. Let's see what Fizdale can do with the kids. He can't gut it, cut it with the kids. Move on. Admit your failure and move on. Because to me, it's like either, either you admit your failure and move on, or you go down with the ship. Because if they just ride it out with Fisdale and it's still as bad as it is now for the end of the year and the trades aren't great, you know, they don't really move the needle, then I'm like, you know what, send all three packing. And it might seem a little bit harsh on Perry, and I definitely appreciate what Perry did. We spoke about, you know, the organization needed to take baby steps to Mm -hmm. competency and not trading picks and not giving bad contracts is one of those steps, so I'm happy with that. Um, But, you know, there's more to being a GM than just being – you know, having an itchy trigger finger. And it's cool that Perry did nothing, but, you know, if the Knicks go back to 2000 and all they did was draft and sign guys and did nothing else, they probably have a better record. So to me, my thing is with GMs is, like, there's a base level, and then you got to show progress beyond that. And he drafted well. I'll give him props. He's definitely drafted pretty well since he's been here. But, you know, you know he's probably has – does he have the worst record of any GM ever? Oh, I don't know if that's... He, for, for, uh, the Knicks, for, the Knicks, for the Knicks. Yeah, he probably does. Phil yeah, Jackson which, would probably be up there. But, like, I don't know. I just... I, I always find that record stuff, like... like I mean... Sam, Sam Hinkie probably has the worst record of all time, right? And it's like... Oh, people, yeah, you're right, yeah. <laughs> people, like, suck his dick nonstop, which is fine. <laughs> like, I get it. Um, but, but, yeah, like, You know what? We actually saw Hinkie's plan. I mean, not fully because of everything that happened, but right. you saw it get to fruition. So, yeah. you kind of get... You get the benefit of the doubt when that happens, right? Like, so all this right. stuff right now, if all, let's say this season ends, you know, 22 and, was it, 22 and 60, but we keep Fizdale, keep Perry and Mills, and Dolan's like, you guys have next season to figure it out. And then next year they come out, and all of a sudden they're like the 15 Hawks, right? If that yeah. happens, then it's like, you know what? There was a, maybe there wasn't a method to the madness per se, but hey, you know what? You earned it. You earned it now. You showed progress. But up until that point, 
it's just it's just basically conjecture, right? It's like, oh, maybe it'll work, but uh, just on the basis of what happened this summer in terms of the money and the the opportunities available, like we didn't do anything creative this summer. The most creative thing we did was the signing of the uh, the one year deals with the yeah. team options, which I you know I like, but then I'm like. We didn't. I know there weren't a lot of salary dump options out there, but we didn't seem to aggressively pursue it. In fact, I think Perry said they didn't. They weren't going to do that before it even started. So I don't even think that was on the books for the Knicks. So I mean, look, he's he's done decent. I, you know, I give him like a B minus, C plus. You know, which which is fine for right now. But you know, I mean, come on, man, it's the most valuable franchise in the NBA, in the heart of America, the world. We have everything, you know, Srini and I were just saying this on Twitter earlier. I'm like, the Knicks just have to be decent for people who want to come here and become a respectable organization. And Perry wasn't brought here to just do this. He was brought here to take us to the next level. And the screw's going to drop at some point if we don't see that progress being made. Yeah, let yeah. me, um, hold on, let me try to rein all of this in a bit, try to get us back on track just a little bit because, Schwinn, you did have a, um, because we're talking about the front office and we're talking about kind of how management and things work, you actually had a question sent to you about kind of two specific questions about, you know, the trade deadline, not just the trade deadline, but like, you know, December 15th coming up with some of these players, you know, moves that we want the front office to make to kind of show that, like, you know, this, mm. the, the offseason didn't work, the time to adjust. So we can actually got two, you got specifically two questions that uh, you got if you wanted to, bring these up now so we can discuss them because I think they they fit right into the discussion we're having today. Yeah, yeah. so um, Mikey P at Mikey underscore Cooks on Twitter, DM me. Um, great profile pic, by the way. You should uh, all check it out when you get a chance. Um, he's, here's what he, this is the first uh, message he's, the first question he messaged me. Um, why do you think the NBA hasn't exiled Dolan the same way Major League Baseball did to George Steinbrenner in the mid to late 80s? Essentially, put a proxy for him in place, and they built a ready-made dynasty. By the time he came back in '94, um, my answer to that is the NBA actually basically tried they did this. That. Yeah, they did this. Uh, they people probably forget this, um, but they essentially made him fire Isaiah because you know, amazing. Like Dolan is man. If you're on that guy's good side, it is it's a good place to be because he will always <laughs> have your back. Uh, he did not want to fire. Isaiah Thomas, actually. The NBA had to step in and tell him to do it, and then they they basically uh, forced him to hire Donnie Walsh, and then Donnie Walsh's entire plan was... Um, basically what the, it's, it's, basically, it's basically what Perry did this summer. Except, Just a worse version of it. Yeah, a much worse version of it, in my opinion. Uh, gave away picks to clear space, you know, sold extreme... Like, sold at the first opportunity on... Jamal Crawford and Zach Stuff, uh, even though, like, he had basically two years to deal them, but literally traded them as soon as they had, like, ten good games. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, so, like, they did do this. Um, and then, essentially, like, Dolan, I guess you can say, stepped back in at some point during the, the mellow trade kind of stuff. Um, so that was, like, kind of when he was like, okay, fuck this proxy thing, I'm, I'm back in here. But, you know, like, I... You know, people will always blame Dolan. I just don't know that Dolan is... I just don't... I don't know if Dolan is the issue right now. You can say... If you want to say Dolan is the issue right now because of the people he's hired to, like, you know, be here, essentially, 
that like to run the organization in terms of Mills and Perry, sure, that uh, I'll give you that. I mean, that's fine. But like, I'm I, there's there's a difference between that and like him being an active detriment as he was earlier in his uh, ownership career. Uh, also, the fun thing, the thing is like. Dolan hasn't done anything nearly as insane as George Steinbrenner. <laughs> like, yeah, so let's so when when our boy Mikey is like, why did they do what the MLD did to George Steinbrenner? I had to look this up because it has been a while since I remember this. But like George Steinbrenner hired like a some guy some gambler to dig up dirt on Dave Winfield because he didn't like Dave Winfield, someone <laughs> that like he was on the team and he paid him forty thousand dollars to go dig up dirt like. We hate we hate Dolan for simple incompetence on the court and some other things too, like being that donating to Trump and all that other stuff too. But like Dolan isn't Steinbrenner crazy, like doing insane things like digging up dirt and trying to like blackmail his own players. Like Dolan doesn't do that, and he's also not appears. He definitely isn't like a crazy slumlord racist like Donald Sterling either. So it's just like. Don't want to do anything. Players love Dolan. Like, I'm trying to think which, I mean, outside of Charles Oakley, but players generally love James Dolan. When they come here, they're like, oh, man, he was great. And he let Tyson Chandler use the jet when, like, he had to visit his ailing mom or whatever it was. Um, My answer to that question, uh, I'm not a big baseball guy, but isn't it just that the Yankees are more important to MLB than the Knicks are to the NBA? Like, um, I I don't know. I don't don't think so. Baseball is really weird, though, because, like, I mean, I've read about this before, but basically, like, you know how basketball fans, right, like, I will watch non-Knicks games, right? Right. Whereas with baseball, it's like, you don't really watch, like, the national Sunday game or whatever unless your team is playing, really. Like, even diehard baseball fans mostly watch their team, which is also because your team plays every fucking day in baseball. Yeah, and they're they're also, like, sleeping at 9 o'clock anyway. Right. So, (laughs) so, so, it's just different um but yeah I, I i just don't like unless unless you have proof of dolan like doing some super underhanded shit i just don't know that um the nba has any kind of like precedent to step in here and like people will talk about donald sterling or something but it's like donald sterling literally got caught like being uh, huge in, racist. Yeah, insanely uh, racist. Yeah, like, uh, and and this was, like, already known about him beforehand. So it just, like, confirmed what we knew, but it put it on record, essentially. Um, so, I mean, there's that. And then, sorry, I, can, should I move on to the second question you asked me? Yeah, it's, yeah I would just, I just want to end it on just saying, like, we know that Dolan sucks. I think every single person would be happy if Dolan sold the team. We're very aware of this, like, but the, the, the NBA did try this, right? Like, he stood with a guy who was found liable for sexual harassment for an employee, and he still didn't fire Isaiah Thomas, right? So it's just like the NBA tried this, and it just didn't work. And honestly, out after that, when has he ever really been involved? Like, let's be honest. Like, he really hasn't really been involved since Donnie Walsh kind of came in. So I, I think most of it is just kind of bitterness from the media, well, from at, like, at least, at least like since the Bargnani years. trade. At least since the Bargnani oh, yeah. trade. So, I mean, that's like, what, five, six, it's like six years, some shit. Six years ago? So, yeah. Okay, yeah, for the so, most part. Like, I mean, like, we all hate Dolan, but I really don't think he's been, like, this mastermind of, like, ruining the Knicks since they got, since Donnie Walsh came on board. I think most of it has just been just, you know, bad luck and incompetence, like a combination of both. But, yeah, let's get on to the second question, because I think it's an interesting one. 
Yeah, second question is uh would you trade <laughs> would you trade for Whiteside to get off of Julius Randle's contract? I so like <laughs> this is really tough because I know for me I just want to see Randall with a different coach. And if he's still doing the same thing, then I would be like, yeah, bring on a sound Whiteside, just bench him or buy him out. But we kind of saw today for at least three and a half quarters, like the Knicks lucked into a good Randall game, like because they lucked into it, not because he did anything great. It was just more of like, you know, oh, Morris is out. So there was more spacing and something we've been saying the whole time, like stagger Morris and Randall, it'll work better. So they technically staggered him because Morris was out. And it worked because, you know, Marcus Smart can, is not defending Porzingis, basically. So it's just like, I kind of just want to see him with a better coach before trading him, because I think he does have value. Because I think he and RJ could actually be a really good pick-and-roll pairing. They just they just don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I am on... My thing is, like, Randall is not... You're not... He's not going to ever be viewed as, like, worth the contract. Like, again, he's getting paid, what, like, 21 million or I think it's, like, actually 18 because it's, like, there's incentives baked in um, mm-hmm. for, like, all-star and <laughs> defensive team, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> Do you remember Ben Wallace spoke to them? What did he tell them? <laughs> yeah. Yo, y'all see what I did? Don't do any of that shit, all right? Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, I... I've been super critical on Randall, and I would be lying if I said that there weren't moments where I was like, yo, fuck this guy. And I've actually said before that I think that in some ways, like, Portis actually makes more sense with our young players, and Morris makes more sense with our young players because of how they play. Um, That said, like, I'm not that desperate to get rid of him, I guess. Like, I, I would trade him in the right scenario for sure. I don't think trading him just to get off the contract makes sense because like one, you can use him better and I think if you use him better, some team that's already capped out but like needs some extra scoring punch or whatever um, would trade for him and maybe give you like, even if you're not getting a high-end asset, maybe you can get like a couple of seconds or something like that for him. I just I'm not ready to say that he is I think the 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 nixiest thing to do would be to to just assume that he's a bad player and just like immediately try to cut bait with him rather than be like oh okay look um let's let's get a new coach in here let's use him differently whatever um but clearly ha- I I just want to see him play in a way that like actually suits his skills before I make any trade for him. Like before I before I just salary dump him essentially. I, I agree. Uh, I was gonna ask in this trade scenario for Whiteside, is there a pick? Or is it literally no. just can we get out of it? Because then I would Nah, it's too early. I mean we suck so the money doesn't even matter right now. Right? I would rather see Randall for the whole year. And like you said, maybe under a different coach. You see what happens there. I feel like Randall could have more value anyway. During you know to a capped out team at a, at the right point, even in a right. summer like coming up where like there's no good free agents, you never know what kind of deal you might be able to swing for him for a team that thinks they can use him and contend. Um, that's giving Portland like they would use him so well. I bet you know what I mean with with Lillard. Yeah. I would say of all the teams, Portland is actually like probably the best team for him at the moment because they could actually use him. So yeah. it would actually it actually does make sense like to do that sort of swap. I just don't, it's not, it's not ready yet. I would just, it yeah. needs to be 
the coach has to change first before. But Portland's a great Portland's a great fit for him. Yeah, yeah. like and, too early and, for me. Too early. Yeah, and and it's like there are certain vets that I think that you should just trade ASAP. I don't. He doesn't qualify because we actually put like a two year investment on him at least. And if you put in, I think it's worth it to 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 try and and like you know it, it's a you can't just like bail on an investment as soon as it doesn't work out like you anticipated at first, right? You have to, like, try to, to make it work. And, um, you know, we need to make... And, like, to be honest, I, I really do think in the last couple of games he's shown... He's shown, like... he. I think he, he genuinely does, I, I think, understand, like, he needs to pass the ball better, he needs to make quicker decisions, and he shouldn't just, like, force up bullshit all the time. But it's, like... It, you it takes time to break habits full full stop right it mm-hmm. takes a long time and so um right now i'm i'm not i'm not even saying i'm optimistic but i think there have been some positive signs for him in that regard the last few games um you know obviously you need to see a lot more of that and i think even today like i didn't think his defense was there have been games where I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing on defense? Like, I thought he was okay. Like, he wasn't good because he's not a good defender, but, like, he wasn't – you can live with that level of defensive effort from him today um, for the most part. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm not for that. But um, but what I will say is that uh, – and I agree as well. Randall's been a lot more decisive. That's my thing with him. When he makes a decision within one to two – one to three seconds – it's usually a good one. When he's taking too much time is when it gets pretty disastrous. Um, but with a trade for Randall, I'm, I, my head, in my head, and my 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 objective, just trying to do the right thing. I'm like, give him till next year trade deadline to really see what you want to do. But I would say in my more kind of hasty mindset is, if there's a deal, not that deal, but if there's a deal that makes sense, and you really just don't see it happening with him from a Perry. Mill standpoint, if Perry and if Perry's gonna be here or whatever, and Perry really feels like ah, this didn't work out, and you get a good deal where you can get some a pick. Um, because my my thing is and why I don't want to trade the Dallas picks is I want to move up if we need to, because I just really want Anthony Edwards. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, I'm like one thing, you know, obviously with the lottery, especially now, it's all luck. But what's not luck is being able to trade up. And there's a point where we might be able to trade, for example, like let's say we get like the number five pick the Dallas pick, and if we got something for Morris to move into whatever, to take somebody we really believe in. And I'm kind of like at that point where I'm like, I would love to get a guy like that using our assets. And when have the Knicks ever moved up? Have you ever have you ever traded and moved up in the draft? No. Uh, I, yeah, this has been, <laughs> bro, this has been something I have bitched about. And this was like something I, this is one of my biggest fucking beefs with Donnie Walsh. Because this piece of shit, would fucking be out there in the New York media nonstop telegraphing exactly who we wanted. Oh, I love Steph Curry. Oh, I love Russell Westbrook. Okay, you love the I love Ricky Rubio. Make a fucking move to go get them, man. Just don't, don't just tell me you love them. Like make a move to go up and get them. If you love if you love Steph Curry that much and you hired Mike D'Antoni, whose like entire system requires a high level pick and roll ball handler who can shoot threes, like make a move to go get up go get him. You traded away first-round picks just to clear cap space. How much better would the Knicks be off? Like, I guarantee you if the Knicks had offered the pick they used to trade fucking uh, Nate Robinson. By the way, Donnie Walsh also passed up an opportunity to trade Nate Robinson without a pick 
because he's an idiot. Um, <laughs> and then eventually have to trade a pick to dump him. Uh, like make that move. Like if you like if he had just given up that pick plus the the pick they used to trade Jordan Hill, I guarantee you the Warriors would have done it. Even the Warriors, yeah. Minnesota. I'm telling you right now, if you offered the Timberwolves Jordan, the number eight pick. And then the pick we used to trade Jordan Hill three months after we drafted him. <laughs> and let me just say, Jordan Hill sucks, but what the fuck? Yeah. Drafting someone and trading them after three in December with a pick as a salary dump? Because, it, just, it, was mindless. it was insane. But the point what I'm making here is just that if you had offered Minnesota, who were what? Were they five and six? Yeah, they were five right? and six. You would have gotten Curry. Yeah, 100%. You offered them eight and a future first to go from eight to six. Of course they were going to do that. They didn't take Curry anyway. So it's not like they were aiming in on Steph. But instead, we use it as a salary dump. Ah, yeah. So I'm going to go off that tangent again. But, yeah, continue. I agree. Yeah, no, it's it's like you, you – if you believe in a player in the draft that much, you should be – like, roll the dice. I don't mind that. Like, I mean, I might have an issue with who you think is an awesome player, but I think the logic still, still stands of if you think some guy is just going to be an absolute stud, if that's your, you know – valuation of him, if that's what your scouts are telling you, that's what you believe, the metrics, all that stuff, then then go get him, you know, go get him, because that that's 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 a good win-now move. It's not even a win-now move, it's, it's basically being aggressive about positioning your franchise for the future, which you should always be aggressive about. So I'm, I'm definitely for that. I, um, I don't know, I, but yeah, I mean, it's, like, look, it, this is the stuff, like, I, I think, there's a pretty funny tweet uh, I saw just now uh, from Rory Brazel. I don't Brazel. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his name, but he's sure. At, we'll go with that pronunciation. At, at Bball God's blog. But this is what he tweeted: People are really down on Porzingis as a player right now, and also think the Knicks made a horrible trade. We're going to have to reconcile these those two perspectives at some point. And it's like. Yeah, like, I bring that up not to, I mean, yes, because it's fun to, like, some occasionally just take shots at Porzingis, um, but mostly because, like, if you make a trade with those picks that lands you some stud young player, like, that, that's that's why you make that trade. So you have extra picks in the cupboard. So that, like, that's why we should be interested in, in salary dumping some of these vets that, like, clearly don't have a future here because it gives you more ammunition to load up your roster when you... If, if you want to make them. Yeah, like, like just a perfect example. Last year, um, the Suns converted Ariza's one-year $15 million into Kelly Oubre plus uh, some bullshit expiring contract. I forgot who it was. Um, and, like, now Oubre is, like, a nice player for them, right? Like, yep. those are the kind of moves that you just need to make. And um, we haven't seen them make it thus far. I think, like, to go back to Perry a little bit, right now he's proved to me that he's good at clearing the decks and staying flexible and valuing, like, young players' cap space and picks. But he hasn't shown me that he can is the guy to build from that position. He's, right. He's shown me that he can get us to that position, but not that he can build from that position. So, like, now right. he has to prove that he can build from that position. And, like, it's okay. It's not, I'm not, I don't want to say it's okay that some, so much of our, our free agency looks like a disaster, but I think it's okay if you pivot and... And and kind of like lean more into that and convert yep. some of that to picks. Like that's fine. Own it. Listen, that that's exactly what we're saying, right? Own if own your mistake in life. When you own your mistakes, you tend to get better. So you ignore them is when things tend to build up. So I'm all in on that idea. 
Perry's been super conservative in terms of, um, you know, with, with trades around the deadline. I thought he lost value in both Kylo Quinn and Courtney Lee. Not that it would have been insane value, but I genuinely think he probably could have gotten a, a second rounder or a two because Courtney Lee was having a career year. The contract wasn't great, but still. Um, so I want, I mean, listen, listen, looking, going into this um, trade deadline on December 15th, if you want to even go earlier, we have guys that can get us seconds and first pretty easily. The mm-hmm. contracts for some of them may not be easy. Like, Portis is going to be a little bit tough to trade, to be honest. I don't know if you need to trade him, but 16 mil is not an easy deal for a lot of teams to make. But, you know, maybe you don't, maybe sometimes you decide to take back contracts. One thing with Perry is that he's not obviously heading for last year's free agency. This summer, sorry, this past summer, he didn't want to take back any money. But now we're in a position where, yeah, 2021 is kind of there, but our franchise seems to need a bit more than just hoping for that again. So I'm like, you know what? Take back some money. Take back some money. Get a pick. You can you can probably get three seconds and two firsts. If you include Randall, I'm including Randall in this. If you do a fire sale, you could probably get that at least. Um, maybe not at least, but you could probably get that. Um, I don't know if you want to go all in on that, but get a couple seconds. Get a first. You know what I mean? Head into head into the draft with a lot of capital to move up. You can if you really love Anthony Edwards or James White, whoever it is, and you feel like this is a guy. Oh my God, not wise man. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm just just picking up names. But <laughs> I, but listen, you can you can tell a team you can be super aggressive. Like, you know what? We're gonna give you two Dallas picks and our first this year because we want this guy. And to another team, that might be a great deal for them, but it might be a better deal for us considering what we need. And that other team might find value out of having you know three picks, whereas we might just us having Anthony and RJ to build off would change our franchise. So I'm like, be aggressive. You said be, you spoke about him being flexible. The second part about being flexible is actually using it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let's see if he is the guy or if he, or if we're going to have to have someone else be the person that really make the moves to push us, propel us forward as a franchise. Yeah. Schwinn, last word if you want it before we get to plugs because I'm getting hungry and I want some dinner because I made some pot roast and it smells good. Oh, man, that sounds good. Um, <laughs> last thought is... Look, I, I just there, look. There are so many fucking teams in the NBA right now that are so lucky the Knicks suck because not even just suck, <laughs> but like there's so much drama around like it's, oh they failed they failed their their off season they're playing all these guys. if the Knicks would just stop fucking around sell out the vets <laughs> lean into like we have to play all these young guys twenty minutes a night no matter what like if they just leaned into that one I'm almost positive they would actually be better like uh, yeah there's a pretty good argument for that and then two I just think like. Look, the, people were sucking off the Hawks, right? So, oh, Trey Young, so amazing, amazing player. He is a really good player. Don't get me wrong, very good player. They have the same fucking record as us. Oh, they're doing the rebuild the right way. Oh, really? <laughs> fucking drafting Cam Reddish's bitch ass in the first round, trading away a genera- trading away a generational talent, the generational talent. I have confidence in Luca is the generational talent of the next. 10, 15 years. Like, he he is potentially an era-defining player. They traded that away for Trey Young, who is, gets a lot of numbers, but, like, I don't know if he actually moves the baseline for winning. And I'm happy I took their under this year because I thought they would suck because I didn't really like their roster or, like, any of the moves they made. That's what was not, their over-under? It was, dude, it, it was opened like, up... It, it opened like 30-something. It, ah. it opened up 36 and a half. Wow. Yeah, it was, some, it was something insane where you definitely had the hammer... The under, but uh, no, that's a great way to close it out. The um, with stop being stupid, Nick. Stop being stupid. Yeah. So, uh, Terry, what would you like to plug? I have nothing to plug. 
All right. I, I want to plug good winning basketball from the Knicks. I don't care about my channel. I don't care about anything. Knicks. <laughs> oddly enough, man, it's crazy. This is probably the most delirious I've felt. But I think I feel like that at every point in, in, you know, in the last 20 years, at some point, I feel like, oh, this is definitely it. But this is one of the weirder bad seasons the Knicks have had. Um, because like, even last year, at this point, obviously optimism about Zion, optimism about free agency kind of held a lot of the fan base together last year. Um, but, you know, we were, were we 5 and 15? What were we? I know we were better than 4 and 16, like the one or two games. But the, uh. It was more or less the same record. Yeah. I think they're one game ahead last year as, 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 um, compared to this season. But this year just feels kind of like, and it shouldn't feel this bad because we have these young guys and Frank is showing so much improvement. RJ really looks like he's going to be a legit number two or number three in this league on a good team. Perhaps even a number one if he develops an insane rate. Like, there, there should be things to be really excited about. But then what's happening instead is we're more worried that these this talent and this potential is getting completely ruined. Like, you're watching Mitch right now. We didn't even really bring up Mitch today. And it's like, this dude still can't set screens. And mm-hmm. it's like, like, what? They're with him every day. What's, what's going on? Right? Yeah. And yeah. Kevin Knox, you know, he's been so up and down. He gets the complete opposite treatment of last year, this year. And he doesn't feel like there's any method to the madness. So that's what's kind of scary about this. Not that we haven't set a path forward that makes sense, but that we set the path and Fizzle just throwing mine, uh, mine, uh, bombs on the path. He's just throwing bombs on it, screwing it up. So uh, let's see, because we're in a rare position. You know, the referendum on the entire culture change, this, that, the other, it's happening right now. Uh, tough times for Knicks fans, but follow me. I'm on YouTube, NYK Terry and Trey. Um, you know, we, we go to the games, we have season tickets, which is a blessing and a curse. And, um, yeah, we, we post content. We're going out to L.A. for the Lakers and Clippers games, mm. which was a really fun decision when I made it in the summer and is now looking... <laughs> It'll be fun. It'll be. It'll still be fun. It'll be fun. That's the thing. With honestly, that's the thing. Someone on Reddit, by the way, just a little side note, was talking about why you guys still Knicks fans, and I'm like, man, the misery is fun too in its own weird way. Like you can't, you can't change who you're a fan of. That's that's the whole point of it. What's the point of changing? You don't. You don't choose who you love. You know. Yeah. Exactly. But um, like just. One final, final, last. <laughs> the reason why it's so frustrating, and I think this sums it up. The reason why this has become, this has been such a frustrating season, is exactly what we've been talking about. It's like just, just fucking play your young guys, and everybody would be so much happier, and it wouldn't be that frustrating. We would just be like, like if you just had all the young, like today sucked because it was like annoying to watch Fizil kind of do the same stupid shit, but it was less annoying because all the young guys were on the floor at the end, and you were yeah. like, okay. They might actually learn from this, and maybe next time they'll be better off. Like, that's it. That's all I want. I get these guys' experience, lean into it, and just, like, be a real rebuilding team. That's totally fine. That's all we want. Keep our young guys. Absolutely. Uh, Schwinn, do you want to plug anything? Uh, I wrote something last week about why the Knicks should fire David Fisdale. Uh, All of that still stands. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's it. I probably... I'm thinking about writing something about stuff, but I don't know yet. We'll see. At some point. Okay. Um, so I know for me, I should have an article coming out either tomorrow or Tuesday. So that should be <laughs> that's going to be a doozy for most people. They're not going to know what they're expecting. And the last thing I want to plug is 
uh, Jonathan Macri. So I'm basically taking a shot at him. So uh, Mac, if you're listening, you know, just hit me up later when you finish listening to this podcast. <laughs> On Friday, he was like, Frank has to make a better inbound pass, right, for that turnover with Ben Simmons. And I don't necessarily disagree with that type of take when you're blaming Frank because it wasn't like the best pass. However, I was watching it because I was there live. R.J. Barrett was the only person who moved for the ball. Mm-hmm. And that was after a timeout. Fisdale's plan was literally have R.J. Barrett post up awkwardly Ben Simmons. Like, just think about how insane that is for a play that you came out of a timeout as. Like, Philly's best perimeter defender against a rookie. And that's the play. Like, it wasn't it wasn't Frank's fault. Like, at all. And like, you know what we were going to run there, right? You know what we were going to run. We're definitely yeah. getting... Julius Randle post, post up, yeah. Like, like <laughs> I, I saw the still. I watched the still of that. You know, right before Frank made the pass, and yeah, no one's moving. Question: no one's Did moving. you have a Did you have a timeout or were we out? No, we had a timeout, but it's we like, had a timeout. So like, yeah, I like, get what I get. No, it. I don't get like, it. I don't fucking get it. Fuck that. I don't get it. It's the same fucking shit that happens every game, every timeout, every play he draws up. I'm sick of this. I'm not putting it on Frank. I'm not putting it on RJ. I'm not putting it on all any of these. It's on. If the same fucking bullshit play happens every goddamn time, and you have to struggle to make an inbound pass every goddamn time, that is on the head coach. I'm not putting it on the players. I'm over that argument. I think it's complete nonsense, and it totally misses the mark of the underlying issue at play. Yes, oh, but yeah, sure. If fucking prime Steve Nash was making that inbound pass, he probably would have completed it. Does that make it a good play? Does that justify anything that he did? No, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. We have to stop, like, no. No, I, I'm you not know, blaming him. You know, you know what's funny about that? Fizzle would have prime Steve Nash inbounding the ball instead of receiving it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's true. He had Marcus Morris inbound it when he was on fire that one game. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. All right. <laughs> yep. We, need to, we need to, um, yeah, we're going to end it there because the plug is basically Macri, stop defending Fizzdale. You, you're just wrong. It wasn't on Frank. And you're that's what we're going to end it up. Yeah, Macri, you're canceled. <laughs> uh, everyone else, have a good night. Hi, guys. Peace. All right, later.